and hello, watch fans, and welcome to episode 59 of Fratello on Air, otherwise known as Wasp 9.2. That's right, we're continuing with our decimal adventure. With Balaj enjoying his time in Hungary, we've turned once more to the mailbag, source of sporting inspiration. This week, we're going to keep it real quick with a single question each. Therefore, our picks need to be the best yet. I've picked mine for Balaj, but I have no idea what he's picked for me. So rather than speculating, let's welcome the other half of the Fridge and Freezer presenting duo, the Hungarian heartbreaker himself, Balaj. How you doing, buddy? Hey! Hey! Fridge and Freezer. There's going to be like a detective show coming, Fridge and Freezer. Oh, like mac and cheese on Friends. It'd be, oh, be amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Starskin Hutch on Starskin Hutch. Oh, Starsky and Hutch on Starsky and Hutch, the best kind of Starsky and Hutch, as opposed to the yeah. Starsky and Hutch on Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. No, or, no, no, no. Or yes. what was the one with uh, with Michael Douglas when he was young? Uh, remember that? I don't think anybody remembers when Michael Douglas was a young mate. That was a long no, time. I remember watching that show with uh, with an older detective and him being young in streets streets of San Francisco, something like that. I don't know. We could do like a we could do like a like a nice detective show, fridge and freezer. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I think we need to get some sports jerseys with uh, with the names on the back, uh, possibly even for our live show, if that ever happens. Well, I'm still waiting, still, still, still waiting for my AFC Richmond jersey. Oh, my so, goodness. How many episodes yeah. in a row now is it that you've managed to sneak AFC Richmond into it? I, I think it's three or four, but uh, I don't think that the people from from Apple TV or Apple or what is it? I don't know. Which, I think it's Apple are listening. So. Um, neither does Jason Sudeikis, who's the who's the lead. I was quite convinced that Jason Sudeikis was our number one fan. In fact, that's the only reason why I'm still doing this for Jason. Well, I thought it's your mom, so he's probably number two. <laughs> I mean, your mom is. The, I mean, your mom is your number one fan. Not Jason Sudeikis, definitely. No, he's number first. two. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, my mom has listened to the show. She. Uh, oh, has she? Yeah, she has. She. I think um, episode one. I think that's probably as far as she well, got. That was, that was the best one. <laughs> You know, I listened back to it the other day, actually. No joke. Um, this is how vain I've become since we started doing this show. I listened back to it, and my editing style has changed drastically since the beginning. Uh, it's much slicker now. It's really moving along yeah, at pace. It has got mm-hmm. a bit better. I didn't, I mean, didn't know what I was doing to begin with, and it uh, probably still seems like I don't now, but at least I feel like it's progress. Get this, right? Since our last recording, we found out who the finalists of a Champions League are going to be. And did you True. notice? did you notice how our predictions from Episode 9 went? Yes, we said it's going to be uh, an English final in the end. Yeah, between Man, Man City and uh, uh, Chelsea. Right. Absolutely nailed it. We even got a score from the City semi-final, 2-0 at home. Two yeah. Nil, yeah. I wonder if we didn't actually didn't put a number on the Chelsea-Real Madrid one, I don't think, but we were just confident that Chelsea would make it through no. uh, against them. What we should have put is money on this damn game because <laughs> we're so good at it. Yeah, but it's always the way, isn't it? It's always the way. Like you, uh, you make a. Neither of these calls was exactly wild outside bets. Let's face it. I mean, the scoreline is a nice little, uh, nice little earner if you get that right. But even that True. must have been pretty, uh, pretty pathetic odds. City at home against uh, Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, two nils a kind of easy and bet. Speaking of uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona's men's basketball team. Well, you see this? How I transition from Real Madrid to Barcelona? You're a pro. You're a pro. I know. I am. Uh, they are in the final four, the men's final four this year, and uh, you know who plays for Barcelona right now? I do in not. The men's basketball team. No, sir. Paul Casal from the Los Angeles Lakers. 
It's amazing he's yeah. still playing. I feel like he's been he's around for like 20 years. He's Well, he started with the Memphis Grizzlies, I think. And then I don't really have his career um, in front of me. I don't know from the top of my head. But obviously, he became a champion with the Lakers. And his brother became a champion with Toronto. And now his brother plays for the Lakers, uh, Marcus Saw. And he came back. And now he's with Barcelona, uh, with um, one of the point guards being a great Hungarian guy, uh, Adam Hunga. And they are they are now in the Final Four. So it's uh, good stuff happening in European basketball as well. It's almost more interesting than the, than the NBA. Well, the NBA is uh, pretty exciting this year, I think. I think it's really turned the corner, mm-hmm. actually. And I feel like this is the most unpredictable era we've entered into, what with the Raptors winning a couple of seasons back and then the Lakers. I know they're the Lakers, and it's a name that we're used to seeing on the trophy, but I didn't expect them to get back to relevance as quickly as they did with the addition of LeBron. And, you know, we kind of take it for granted now that LeBron just wins championships wherever he goes eventually. I know it took him two stints in Cleveland to make it happen with the Cavs, but this is uh, this is impressive oh, stuff. Man. But anything could happen this year, you know. Is are the Jazz for real? Is that actually going to happen? Are the Celtics back? Whoa. Are the Nets going to like just keep their foot on the gas and go all the way to the title? They've got to be the favorite, right? Yep. I mean, the Nets are good. Uh, New York is actually pretty good, believe it or not. The New York Knicks pretty good, um, and the Lakers not because LeBron is injured, Anthony Davis is injured. And that's the team. Schroeder, that's the team. Yeah, Schroeder is out. So I think right now, you know, this year they're going to have a play-in uh, yeah. before the playoffs. I think right now, I just checked it today or yesterday, if everything stays the same, that they're going to be playing against Golden State in the play-in. So the Lakers will play against Golden State. And that's not good news for them, man. Unless these guys both come back, that's not good Not good news for the Lakers. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But, you the, you know, the Final Four is also interesting. So, guys, if you like European basketball and you like or and or Paul Gasol, watch them. So this play-in system that the NBA has adopted is really interesting. And uh, it's, it's part of the almost nationwide league reshuffling that we've seen since the coronavirus pandemic. And what we have here is the seventh seed, the eighth seed, the ninth seed, and the tenth seed entering into this kind of micro-tournament to begin with. The seventh plays the eighth seed for the right to be the seventh seed. The ninth seed plays the tenth seed for the right to play the loser of that seven-eight game to become the eighth seed. So what we could have theoretically is the eighth seed, when all or all of this playoff system begins, becoming the seventh, and the tenth seed leaping into the eighth spot. For example, so it's kind of crazy, it's kind of weird, it's a bit upside down, and these are one-game playoffs, which is really interesting. We don't normally get those in basketball. We're used to seven-game series same in baseball same in hockey it's a little bit different from football of course which has just recently expanded its season to 17 games the only one of the major leagues going in the other direction but yeah i think it's exciting what do you think about the play-in system it's an interesting system i like it and i cannot find the the actual standings right now but i think i checked it the other day and as i said number seven was the lakers and number eight was golden state so on the West, obviously. So that's going to be an interesting tournament because the winner of the seven and eight, as you said, automatically gets into the playoff. But then the loser will have another chance to play against the winner of the ninth and tenth, and eventually could get into that. But obviously, those teams are also not too bad. So we could see the Lakers and Golden State in the in the playoffs if the results stay as they are now. But um, we might only see just one of them if they're going to be paired with each other in the playing. It's fascinating. And do you think the Lakers have got a better chance of progressing if they get into a seven-game series? Do you think that helps them, or do you think they were going to prefer this one-game shoot? I don't know. 
I don't know. The thing is, if uh, LeBron James had, I think, an ankle injury, he's been out for quite a long time for an ankle injury. That's 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 something you have to think about, you know. Yeah. So fair he's thirty six, turning thirty seven in December. He's got an ankle injury. He's been out for weeks now. Mm, I don't know. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. Uh, I want to jinx it, but I hope he's going to be back soon, and I hope that the Lakers get the pace back, but we'll see about that. Same goes to the Golden State. I mean, Steph is alone. Clay Thompson is still not back yet, although I heard that he's quite quite fit and quite ready. I'd love to see him come back for the playoffs, but we'll see. My feeling with both of these teams is that they're quite happy to limp towards the playoffs, limp right into those 7 and 8 slots, or even 9 and 10 if they drop off a little bit and play their way into the big games, keeping their players fresh you know why rush james back if you can get hold of one of those slots make sure he's fit and healthy and even if you have to deploy him for one game or one game only just to get get yourselves into the big game why not anyway anyway fascinating stuff uh, i can't wait till the nba playoffs roll around we actually have some uh, some games to discuss properly but before that we have to go back to our mailbag and we we're allowing ourselves just one question each this week because we're both flying around the place um very difficult to sit down and have a podcast together, unfortunately, but we didn't want to leave you leave you hanging this weekend. So I've picked out one, and you've got one ready for me, right? Yes, sir. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you this one first. And Why do you always one, have to go first, though? I mean, it's a back and forth thing, but maybe it's some kind of like attempt at control on my part. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> go for it. Control it. You can do. You can go first if you want. No, no. no I'm just gonna, you, you guys don't see it because it's a podcast. I'm, I just put on my sunglasses so Rob can't even see my <laughs> eyes anymore. Well, that's pretty creepy. What a what a visage. All right. It's, oh, it's a cool pair of sunglasses. That's creepy. Okay, go for it. Boy. All right. So this one I've picked. It comes in from Andrew Bonington in France. Uh, he's not a Frenchman, as you might have been able to tell from his name, but he's an expat Brit from Cumbria um, originally. He's an avid rock climber and watch collector, but he says his two hobbies don't often go hand in hand. No pun intended. He finds it difficult to read a watch while he's climbing and doesn't like anything on his wrist when he's risking life and limb to scale whatever cliff face he's decided to tackle that day. However, Andrew does like to time himself on his climbs. So he was thrilled when the Google Glass smart glasses were released all those years ago because he thought he might have a hands-free alternative, but was sad to see the product flounder and more effort put into wearable tech such as smartwatches ever since, which, to be honest, are no better for him than a regular chronograph. So he asks you, Balaj, do you think that we've seen the last of smart glasses, or do you think that they might eventually return and reclaim the wrist for proper luxury timepieces? He still thinks everything an Apple Watch can do could be taken care of by a glasses alternative. But what do you think? And beyond that, if you think smart glasses are dead in the water, how else do you suggest he tracks his climbs if he doesn't want to wear a watch on his wrist? That's a good question. I I was never a fan of smartwatches to begin with. I'm not really a fan of uh, the Apple Watch, although I think it's, I guess it becomes more and more necessary to have one, or or at least comfortable, um, in the sense that there's, you know, it offers so many apps and um, especially the new ones where you don't need, really need to have the phone with you when you want to uh, use the functions. And we know that Papa J G two is um, is our is our big Apple Watch guy uh, in the team. The only time I used my watch was to track uh, my runnings, and and that was never as accurate as the phone. Well, of course, we can argue if the phone is more accurate than the watch, and vice versa. I don't want to get into that. But as far as I'm concerned, 
smartwatches are interesting, um, but I don't see them as as first of all, I don't see them as watches. It's a it's a device, it's a gadget, it's not a watch. You can you can just because you wear it on the wrist, it doesn't make it a watch. Um, right, that's true. But I guess what uh, Andrew's saying is the war between smartwatches and mechanical watches is more of a territorial one than it is an ideological one. And I think he's saying that if these if this glass technology, which had a really brief, very very bright period in the spotlight, then faded completely, if that could return, then there might be no no longer a question. What do you think about the chances of that? I've never seen it. No, I'm not true. I've seen only one person wearing Google Glass in my life. That was back in Scotland. I actually don't think I ever have seen a pair. Of I've them. seen I've seen one lady, and she was doing like you know like swiping her because I think that's how you had to change some things. That was the only time I ever saw someone. I think it's it was a it was a silly thing. It was interesting. I like I like those things. I like those gadgets. You know, I think they're interesting. They're cool. But would I use them? Probably not. They, those remind me of those little Bluetooth headphones or like little uh, uh, headsets people used to. You know. Now only taxi drivers wear them, and you put them in like one ear. Oh yeah, then... the little Bluetooth things. Yeah, like uh, Jabra. I think I used to awful, have. Them yeah, like those that. awful, awful things. Exactly. So yeah. I think uh, when it comes to smartwatch again versus mechanical, obviously it's mechanical. Uh, there is no such thing as a smartwatch versus mechanical watch because there is no thing as a smartwatch, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, um, controversy. Uh, as I said, I don't think it's a that. But hey, if you want to use it, your Sunto to to you know track your your climbings or whatever, by all means, do it. Um, but what if he doesn't want to wear a watch or Google Glass? What should be the option or what could be the option, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that he puts on his body, right? right? It needs to be something that he can he can read. Um, that's something that's light. Yeah. Something that's handy. I don't know if anything comes close to the Google Glass. You could do like a smart headband with like a head-up display in front of your eyes. Oh my god! I've just I've had two amazing ideas. A voice control. Go for uh, it. So, firstly, I was thinking, you know, I like my uh, luxury watch to be my luxury watch, and that's that. I have seen some people wear those double-ended Zin straps that mean that you can wear mm-hmm. an Apple Watch on the underside of your wrist and your mm-hmm. mechanical watch on the top. I like that idea; it's really cool. But what about a small? Instead of a buckle, a projector that projected like the hot screen along the inside of your forearm, and your forearm became like a touchscreen surface, and so you could do all the functions that way. But the, the buckle would still be the same sort of size. How about that? But I think it's already done. I think I have seen something like like a bracelet. Really? Yeah, I think I have seen it maybe a year or so ago. A bracelet, and then you push push a button, and it uses your forearm as the screen, and it like projects the screen on your forearm from this bracelet. But how about using a headband, like a thin headband, with voice control? It projects it in front of you, like a head-up display. That's awesome. That yeah, I was just I, my second thing that I thought of was I don't know the heads up the head-up thing. I don't know how that works. I was just thinking straight ahead onto the rock, like if it's just a timer. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it would simultaneously kill smartwatches dead in the water and bring headbands into mainstream fashion once more, which is where they belong according to you and Jim McMahon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great idea, but I have already found the watch. It's called Lumi Watch. Lumi Watch. So Lumi Watch exists. Lumi Watch. Lumi Watch does it. I mean, of course, I think it's uh, it's still like a prototype or something. It looks like an, like an Apple Watch, but basically what it does is that it, it, it uses indeed your forearm um, 
as the screen, and then there's a little projector on the side, and then projects the information on your arm, and then it's like a touch screen, like your arm is basically a touch oh, screen. Oh, I see. I see the prototypes. It looks really, really sketchy at the moment, but it's good news that the kind of technology is, is being developed, because surely if they can miniaturize that sufficiently, that would be absolutely perfect as a solution you know, to maintain your uh, functionality of your wearable tech without getting in the way of your luxury luxury watch, which is what we all adore. I mean, you know, you have those those keyboards, the laser keyboards. Yeah, that you can just connect to your phone, and it just basically like beams the keyboard on the on your table, and then you can type. Sure, that's um, exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about, and I think that's by the looks of things, that's exactly what Lumi Watch is aiming for. So uh, we just need to get those two things together in in a buckle instead of in a watch head, and then. Mm-hmm. Boom, we've done it. Yeah, cool stuff. So our suggestion for um, Andrew right now is kind of things that don't really exist yet, uh, right? That's the best yeah. we could come up with. Maybe Or yeah. what he could do is maybe wear headphones and wear his phone and then just talk to Siri. Oh, that's know? a pretty good idea. Yeah, okay. Okay, so he could time himself that way on his phone yeah. through his headphones. Okay, yeah. well, Andrew, there you go. There's a, there's an answer. Maybe isn't the watch centric answer you were you were hoping for, but in in 15 years time, who knows? That technology and uh, the headbands might be available, hopefully in many colours to suit all tastes. Fingers so, crossed. Fingers Thank crossed. You. All right, nice one. Uh, all right, hit me with a quick one. So my question comes from Sebastian Müller. He's <laughs> oh yeah, Sebastian Müller. Oh yeah, Sebastian Müller. Nice name. Yeah. It's probably the only one in Germany with that name. I'm sure. It's such a unique name. But anyways, my name's not unique either, so what do I know? Um, so he's coming from, or he's messaging us from Stuttgart, which is, as you know, it's my territory. It's, uh, that's the capital city of Baden-Württemberg, where I live. Um, so he's not too far from me. And so what he tells me, he told me the story that he got a Junkans for his graduation, which was, I'm guessing, a good few years ago. And that Junkans was a mug spear from his grandfather. Uh, I'm not sure the story is not clear if his granddad gave him the watch or if somebody in the family did, but it was his granddad's uh, mug spear, Junkans mug spear. Just cool stuff because Junkans is also in Baden-Württemberg down in the Black Forest, right? So, you know, it's pretty local. It's a local brand. And his grandfather got this watch, and then uh, Sebastian got it for his graduation. But the fun fact is that Max Bale is obviously one of the greats of the Bauhaus movement, um, but the Bauhaus was actually a school, and his grandfather studied at the school of Bauhaus in at one point. Yes, at one point in his life. So he studied at the school of Bauhaus, then he bought the original Junkans Max Bale when it came out back in the day, and then now Sebastian received the watch um and it's from the black forest where they are both from and now uh, sebastian received the watch from his grandfather which he's very proud of and he loves the watch he loves the history connected to it and the design is as he says it's so contemporary it's amazing mind-blowing as he put it um and that made him wonder what about us and family heirloom watches so he wants to know dear rob if you have an heirloom watch in your family, something that maybe you got from your dad or your grandfather, for example, or maybe because obviously you are into watches, something that you gave to your dad or your niece, nephew, brother, and you know, hopefully starts this tradition in the Nuts family. Well, it's funny, actually. Um, I always think I don't have any stories like this, but that's because I don't have any watches that came to me. Mm-hmm. 
no, no, no watches, no, no heirlooms in the family already. Although I have kind of started a bit of a tradition of giving them away in uh, in many different directions throughout the family tree. So I have actually gifted my dad a watch, quite a few now actually, and my brother also. For my brother's wedding, I got him and his wife at Nomos Club Campus, thirty eight. My brother thirty six for his wife. Um, my Very sister's cool. boyfriend has got a growing collection because every birthday or Christmas I give him a new watch because he likes watches and he wants to get more of them into his hands. So that's something. The funniest thing, though, uh, in all honesty, is there is a kind of watchmaking story in my in my family background, but not one I learned for many, many years. My grandfather, my mum's dad, he was a gardener for the majority of his career. And he served in the RAF during World War II, stationed over in Canada, and developed quite uh, an interest in tinkering with engines and whatnot. This was nothing I knew. He died when I was two or three years old in the late 80s, so I never really knew him. I never got to talk to him about his interests or his passions. I knew one great story about him. He actually gardened the same garden um, at the end of my other grandfather's road, Waterloo Park Avenue, for... um, 20, 20, 25 years or so. And early on in his career, his wedding ring fell off into this patch of earth and he he didn't realize and he buried it. And it was uh, forever gone or thought forever lost. And then 25 years later, he dug it up in exactly the same place, probably the same hole. Yeah, yeah, he found it again. And he never replaced it in the interim period. It wasn't wasn't that kind of man. He was a man of of, uh, limited means. No, true story. True story. What are the chances? Well, it's crazy, but I mean, nobody has the same kind of job these days for so long and just what a flute to find it. I think it must have been a little bit big when he was younger, but by the time he found it again, he'd grown into it, so he never lost it. But many years after I'd graduated from the British School of Watchmaking, my mum had an unusually emotional moment and told me, oh, your grandfather would have been so proud of you. And I was like, what's a random thing to say? He's been dead for 25 years. Like, why now? Like, what, what have I done that's so remarkable? So, well, he always wanted to be a watchmaker. He talked about it constantly. And I was like, what? why didn't you tell me this? Why did you never mention at one point, like when I was, you know, countenancing, giving up my career at the bank and like, you know, putting myself through penury for years to try and train to be a watchmaker. Why don't you give me some like emotional motivation to go and do it? Because that was the truth. That was something he'd always desired to do. Turns out that he um, he didn't have any money for watches, but he did collect like uh, newspaper adverts for watches. So he had like quite a few of those, which um, I still have a couple now, which is which is cute. You can make a lot of money nowadays with those things as well. I mean, uh, I don't think there's much to be honest. Nothing, nothing special. Not, not like an original Rolex advert or something. Just really weird mm-hmm. stuff. He used to do the same thing with newspapers that I did with travel brochures when I was a kid. I used to cut pictures of mountains out of travel brochures and stick them on my wall because I wanted to go see them. So uh, mm. kind of a, a slightly depressing but cute pastime <laughs> on both, on, in both parts. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I mean, well, you can say that you don't have an heirloom watch, but the love of watches is your heirloom coming from your grandfather. Wow, that was poetic. Um, really, I guess you're right. I had no knowledge of his interest in watches and to find out about it, even at such a late stage in my career was, um, well, yeah, it was very heartening. And um, I wouldn't say it brought a tear to my eye, but close to that, as close to that as it comes. Mm. Very nice. It's a cool story, actually. Very cool story. Yeah, I'm glad of it. That's a nice question from Sebastian. Another yeah. one, another guy who's in, a, in the Arnak of the Woods. So maybe you'll run into him sometime in Stuttgart. And uh, as I hope I to, hope so. with Johannes K in, uh, in Berlin. But 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this week. Just a very quick dive into the mailbag. We will be back again and we'll be checking in as soon as we can throughout the week whenever we've got some free time in our busy, busy schedules. Now, Balaj is back on the road and I'm soon to be myself. First vaccine tomorrow, buddy. So, uh, fingers crossed. First vaccine last Friday. Thank you. Oh, very nice. Very nice. We're ahead of the curve. But um, let's hope that our listeners stick with us through this tumultuous period and we'll be back with them on a more regular and a full show basis as soon as we can. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking. Let's go home, let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. With his first stop.